Hello and welcome to Branching Out, a podcast around college admission counseling in the world it inhabits. On the very first episode, I have a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Michelle O'Donnell. She's a co-director of college counseling at Lancaster Country Day in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about a subject that means a lot to us, being introverts in the world of college admissions counseling. Can those two things coexist? How do you survive and thrive in the profession if you are more reserved? We're going to talk about that. So welcome to Branching Out, and I hope you enjoy. So the topic we're going to be talking about this week is admissions in introverts. Can the two exist? And I'm Jeremy Branch, Senior Assistant Director of Admission uh, at Penn State University's Brandywine Campus, and I'm with my very dear friend. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle O'Donnell. I'm the co-director of College Counseling at Lancaster Country Day School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So excited to be here and very happy to be with Jeremy Branch as well, my partner in crime. Yes. And in all things. Yes, yes. Well said. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. This is a topic that I know you and I, we talk about a lot. It's near and dear to us because (laughs) we ourselves identify as introverts. And I think. Yes. And I think people are very going to be very surprised with you. Yeah. yeah, I I think so, too. I think so, too, because I think, you know, the two of us, we present at every PACAC, which is the Pennsylvania Association for College Admissions Counseling. We we present at every one of those conferences, a lot of the different professional development programming that that organization puts on. You've been a, a presenter and co-presenter at a lot of other conferences outside of that one. So mm-hmm. when people see our mm-hmm. names all the time in the conference booklets, they see us presenting, they see us, especially when you were on the college side of the desk, they saw mm-hmm. you out doing presentations and they see me out doing those things all the time people were mm-hmm. like okay get, they would probably think get over yourself you're not an introvert <laughs> I, I know you're trying share to say stage. that yeah share the stage <laughs> and the mic right but that's just right. that's not the case I mean you and I in right. our own personal right. lives we're very much introverts right. we yes. we need to recharge and I think yes. one of the questions yes. that a lot of people ask themselves as they're thinking about working in admissions or sometimes when somebody maybe on their college campus when they were a student says hey, you know what? I think you'd be really good in admission. If they're a person who's got a more introverted nature, they may be like, I'm not quite sure about that. And so they may come into the field with some trepidation. Um, I know you and I, when we first came across one another, it's when we joined PACAC Summer Institute team, which is... I love that program. They just can't get me off the yeah, They're going to have to kick me off. We've seen uh, you're the only person who's somehow earned tenure. Um, you went through pr- the promotion and tenure track for the association. Somehow we didn't even know that was a thing. It wasn't in the bylaws. Well, they had to promote you to get you up. <laughs> oh, goodness. No, no, they fired me. That's had to come along. That's when some, they're like, oh, this person resigned. We know, we know the deal. We know the deal, right? Like, oh, they're taking on a new opportunity. We know what happened. Right, right, right. right. But, but near and dear to our heart. Near yes, and always, dear. Near always. and dear. And that's where we, the two of us, we first met at the Summer Institute. Yes, and And did not know each other before. I had never seen you before in my life. Same, 
same. Prior so yes. we walk into this room, like the first planning meeting. And for those of you who don't know, the Summer Institute uh, is the longest running program of its kind, where we bring together admissions counselors from anywhere from zero to three years of experience, uh, secondary school counselors and college counselors on the secondary side of any experience level. They come for this intensive three-day workshop, right, where we are basically teaching them how to be great college advocates for their students, help them, pr- you know, to provide pathways to their students and lead to student success and all this type of stuff. So it's a really, really wonderful program. And so when you and I finally got this, got the call to be a part of this yeah. program, we were super excited about yeah. it. But we enter this room yeah. in the yeah. planning phases. And there are <laughs> yeah. some big personalities in that room. Huge personalities. Oh, legend. Legends. Yeah. Legends, people who have a lot of knowledge, yeah. that have a lot of opinions. About <laughs> about everything. Don't we all, but sometimes. Right? And so I think you and I, when we first got around that table, we're thinking to ourselves, we're, where do we fit into all of this? And yeah. I don't think we initially knew as we first entered that room together that you and I kind of had that same energy. But yeah. it was only as the, we were kind of looking around the room and talking a little bit that we kind of discovered that... I think this is this is going to be a challenge for both yes. of us because of our our personalities. Yes. Yes. I mean, I was so you I've told you this a million times like Summer Institute if there was one program that I was going to do in my career, yeah. It was going to be Summer Institute. You know, I felt I went through it as a as a attendee. I loved that program. I always had my eye on that program. Uh, it took me a couple rounds to even get in, and when I finally did, I was so excited to be there. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't the work that intimidated me, Jeremy. I know you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Like, you know, I could handle the work. I was excited to present all of that. Like we always are. It was just the first, but you're not the extrovert in the room that is like, oh my gosh, a room full of people. This is where I'm going to thrive. Yeah. I mean, in a way, yeah. even though I was sitting there taking my notes and nodding my head and engaging and things like that. I mean, I, not even saying anything at the first meeting, I was exhausted yes. <laughs> walking out of that room. Yeah. And, you know, I, all I did was write some notes and nod my head a couple of times in yeah. two hours. Um, it, because, you know, I'm thinking just as much about the content as I am. Who is around this room? How am I going to break in? Is this going to work for me? Yeah. Is this going to be the successful experience that I really envisioned? Yeah, I agree with you. And that's where I learned to work in uh, one of the, the biggest secret weapons that I have in my career, and it's called a nap, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> because, yes. you know, you, so you'll look valuable. at your, your conference booklet, <laughs> and I think pretty much every program that we go to, we yeah. know it's going to be jam-packed because they, they, yes. the, the conference planning committees and the session planning committees and all these people who put programs together, they're always trying to figure out how do we make the value pop out all of, off of the brochure so the deans and directors and the VPs feel like, okay, this is a value added for mm-hmm. the folks in my office I'm going to send. But also, mm-hmm. how do we find time for people to decompress? And and we mm-hmm. see it every year with our affiliates conference in Pennsylvania, PACAC. There's just not a whole lot of room to do that. And so one of the things that it took me a couple of conferences to learn was that I had to kind of mm-hmm. work in some nap time if I could get it mm-hmm. just to kind of recharge those batteries. And so for those of you who are kind of like Michelle and I, and you, and you feel that way, like, oh my God, I'm walking into this 
really unfamiliar place. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to find my place. Like taking those steps back are extremely Mm -hmm. important to surviving Mm -hmm. at these larger conferences or these bigger programs that, that we're involved in. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I mean, you could, uh, you know, have a laundry list of situations like that, whether it's your first day on the job, yeah. you know, and you don't have a familiar face, whether you're going, I'm going back to my admission side now, like you go to a college fair and you don't know the people around you and you're trying to engage with a family in front of you and you've got people behind you and <laughs> you're almost like you're literally surrounded by people that you don't know, um, you know, and that brings out a different level in people. I think it's the not knowing, you know, I mean, I, I think of college fairs, I think of job interviews. Yeah. Oh my gosh, can be draining. Um, I think sometimes just even if you do know people, I mean, I think you and I have an understanding and our, our friends and our professionals who know us well now know that like when, you know, when we're at a NACAC conference or we're at a PACAC conference or we're at Summer Institute and we have that 20 minutes when we're stepping out, yeah. we're not ignoring you. We're not checking out. We're not in, we're, it's not that we're not interested in your session. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kind of thing. Um, I, sometimes I just need 20 minutes in the hallway. <laughs> yes, I agree <laughs> sometimes with that. I, you know, totally. Sometimes I just need to take a walk <laughs> and come back. Yeah. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things, you know, when I was a new admissions professional, if I could go back and tell my one, myself one thing about travel season, 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. Um, I could go back and tell myself, you know, anything as a newbie, as a rookie traveler. One of the things I would definitely point out is, you know, when you've got those early mornings and you've got a full day of visits, you know, and then you've got that time in between like three and six, three Mm. and five, right. Before you have to be on again and go to a college fair that night, you know, uh, the five years that I traveled, like I would just go back to my hotel room, but I would be doing emails or making Mm. phone calls or working on a report or checking in on my, you know, office responsibilities, which I know we all have to do. Like we cannot totally check out, Yeah. but I think I would also encourage myself to just like check out. Yes. (laughs) For an hour, you know, and maybe that is going back to the room, but maybe that's also finding, you know, a local attraction to go to. Or maybe, you know, when I was in New Jersey and I was along the Jersey Shore, a couple of times I did just like go to the beach and sit on a bench, you know, for a little while. I used to get my lunch and just like have it in my lap on the beach yeah. or have it on a blanket on the beach. Like that kind of, I know it sounds crazy in October to be going to the beach, but like, it's still fine. You know, bring a blanket, bring a coat. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and just like check out for a little bit. And then come back to it. You do not have to be on from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. day after day after day after day. It's exhausting. That's a great point. And I think sometimes the challenge is when you're new in that office Mm -hmm. and you're trying to make that impact and you want everybody to see that, hey, I may be the new person, but, you know, I'm going to carry my weight. I'm going to do a good job. And sometimes, depending on the leader you have, there are certain there are certain expectations, but you know, yeah. travel season is not just a week long. And right. and for an introvert, especially, it's important to recharge those batteries because after that long day where maybe you have two or three high school visits and then you have that college fair at night, guess what? You got to do it again the next day. Yes. And depending yes. on your territory and the way that you're expected to cover it or how much time that you have to cover that territory, you're not going to be able to do it at a high level continuously right moving forward and the students know that like you know when when um for year year after year uh at the summer institute i always did a session about presentation skills right which is yes. one of my favorite things in the world to talk about and yes. one of the the things that happens to all of us whether you're an introvert or extrovert right when you have that first week of travel you're on 
right? Like your presentation is zipping. It's got all you, you're making all the perfect analogies. You're making great jokes. The jokes are hitting. The students love them. There's great fanfare. You leave. You feel good about it. But it's week three, four, mm-hmm. five six mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. if you're not careful mm-hmm. and you don't you don't try to pace yourself or find those those uh quiet moments recharge the mm-hmm. batteries that you're going to mm-hmm. struggle and that's even for our extroverted friends but especially mm-hmm. that's the case for an introvert and i think at mm-hmm. times introverted counselors burn themselves out mm-hmm. um in an unnecessary way so i love that advice like mm-hmm. try to find that downtime in your car take a take a break from the digital world Yes. You know, at times so it's not burdened. a bad a bad thing to so close burdened. your eyes and just like take in, you know, the sights, the sounds that are around you and things of that nature. Just sit in the car with the windows open or take a walk, you know, things like that will definitely help that introvert to recharge their batteries. Now, mm-hmm. you also have an, another strategy uh, that you employ when you go out and you're you're at these workshops or, or things like of that nature. What what is one of those things that you've tried to do in your career that helps you along when you're you're not the type of person who's going to start 900 conversations right at the no. at the reception hour that's at a conference. So what are some of the things you try to do to still be present in that space but not yeah. use up all your energy or, or constantly find yourself in an uncomfortable position trying to make conversations happen. Yeah. So I think, um, and I kind of learned this through you, whether you knew you taught it to me or not. Um, I think trying to find a friend in the field who's a little more extroverted. And yeah. I know this sounds funny because we're talking about both of us being introverts. Um, but trying to find a friend who is a little more extroverted, yeah. um, is so helpful because you know that I kind of latch myself onto you a little bit, Jeremy, <laughs> when we're at these workshops and conferences, especially when we're first starting out. Um, because I think it's just, really nice to have someone next to you and we all feel this way introverted or extroverted but it's just nice to have your people around you right and just help you feel a little more comfortable when you're trying to meet new people and to keep the conversation going and you don't feel like oh my gosh i'm on an island by myself yeah (laughs) trying to navigate the sea of people um so that's been really helpful i have met people that i never would have met in my life um, you know, following you around a conference. I don't know if anyone has ever followed you around a conference like I have, but let me tell you how it works. <laughs> <laughs> you walk for about five feet and then you stop and you meet about 10 people because then, you know, everyone sees Jeremy and has to come over and say hi. So you spend about 20 minutes talking to people and then maybe you walk down the hallway and around the corner and then you have to stop again because there's more people who know Jeremy Branch. <laughs> no. no what, what you didn't realize is they were running away. They, they, they they were trying to go somewhere else and I just caught them on their escape route. No, it's, but I, I've done the same thing. You know, we have, we have dear friends, fortunately in the profession yeah. that we enjoy spending time with and yeah. that just their, their networks are, are wide, they're expansive and they're not afraid to introduce you to people. Yeah. And that means a lot to the yeah. introverted, you know, folks out there who we just don't have the energy you know, to, to start a bunch of conversations yeah. with people we don't know all the time. And, and sometimes we just, we, we don't even have that skill set at times, but yeah. when you can, you know, put yourself out there a little bit where you've gotten to know some people and, you know, they're willing to have you as part of the crew and, mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. involved in those conversations and contributing little bits and pieces. Like there's a, a book mm-hmm. I'm trying to finish uh, by Brene Brown called Dare to Lead. And there was an interesting yeah. 
there was an interesting example towards the end of it. I meant to have my copy close to me because I, I dog-eared the page, and now I can't find where I put my copy. But it was an introverted leader who was talking mm-hmm. about what he's tried to do because he he's an invaluable member of his team, and mm-hmm. but he's a lone wolf. And mm-hmm. so he's he's has a lot of responsibility. He has a lot of respect that he gets from his colleagues, but he realized that he didn't have a whole lot of really deep relationships with those mm. colleagues. And that although mm-hmm. he was somebody that people respected, he did rub mm-hmm. some people the wrong way by mm-hmm. his, just kind of his, his lone wolf tactics and, and just the way he carried himself. And so one of the pieces of advice he gave was that, you know, I, I need to get out there and try to start three or four conversations and ask people basic questions about mm-hmm. themselves and what that helped him to do was build trust between him and some of the other people that, that he worked with. And it also mm-hmm. helped them to build relationships. So for the introvert, right? Like one of the mm-hmm. things that I, I personally recommend, and I try to employ this when I go to conferences or maybe I'm at a high school visit and there's been some turnover in some of the high schools that I visit. So now all of a sudden mm-hmm. they have two or three new counselors that I have mm-hmm. to get to, to meet just trying mm-hmm. to ask just little questions of them. Have you always been in the counseling profession? You know, mm-hmm. what, were you at a school prior to, to being here? What drew you to the school? That's a simple question. You can use those mm-hmm. all the time. Every time you come across mm-hmm. a new counselor that establishes a, a relationship. And now you have a jumping off point for your, your following mm-hmm. um, conversations that you'll have moving forward. But I thought mm-hmm. that that piece of advice, I forget the gentleman's name that he gave because that's something that I, I found helpful and, and I recommend mm-hmm. to all fellow introverts trying to make their way, you know, through the profession and, and hopefully remaining in the profession. Yeah, no, I got similar advice actually at the summer Institute when I was, you know, fresh and fresh into admissions. Um, you know, one of the faculty mentors said, you need to have a 30 second spiel about yourself and you need to have a 60 second spiel about yourself. Mm. And I think at the time I thought, Oh, for like a job interview or, you know, something like that. But I think it's also just, we want to know about each other, yeah. <laughs> right? Like those we ask about each other and we want to know things about you. Yeah. Um, so I think whether it's having that spiel in your head or, you know, we're, we're over a decade into the field, both of us, yeah. you know, and we still have those three or four go-to questions yeah. that no matter if you're in a high school, you're at the college fair, you're at a workshop, you're doing an online virtual something, something, right? You're meeting yeah. a new colleague who's just come in the office for the first day. Like having those three or four go-to questions to kind of break the ice yeah. a little bit, I think give us a little bit of comfort as well yeah. um, because we know this is going to be so tiring because we're about to throw all of our energy into this person or people in front of us yeah. <laughs> that it really helps you not feel like you're floundering yes. as much <laughs> Yeah, because you're in your comfort zone and you know, you know that this is going to start at least the way that you know it's going to go because you are going to your go-to questions. Yeah. And I, I think you, you just brought up a great point too mm-hmm. about people want to know about you. And that's, that's mm-hmm. especially true in the counseling profession because mm-hmm. I, you've heard me speak about it often, but this is still a human relations profession. In, in business, 100%. and especially 100%. when you're a college representative like myself, and you're getting a wonderful opportunity to engage a school counselor or college counselor on the secondary side, 
they not only look at you as a source of information about that institution, but they look at you hopefully as a, a trustworthy person because you, you mm-hmm. know from from being on that side now, like they're these students are like your kids. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, mm-hmm. when you are talking to, to oh, representatives sure. from different institutions, you're looking for that that ability to trust them to an mm-hmm. extent. Right. And you want to mm-hmm. know what they're about and you want to see what their institutions about mm-hmm. and, and how those things align mm-hmm. with who you are and what your school is about and the type of students that you um, produce or that you service at, at Lancaster Country Day. You want to make sure that you can entrust that student to Penn State. So mm-hmm. in those ways, too we don't always think about it especially when we're new in the profession we haven't drawn those lines yet we haven't connected those dots Mm -hmm. but that's something that happens (laughs) you know I can't tell you how many Mm -hmm. how many unbelievably deep relationships have come out of like those those mixers and those um, Mm -hmm. you know networking sessions and in spaces at uh, conferences and then all of a sudden Next year, my numbers go up in applications and enrolled students from that school, right? But there's because of that trust that was built there. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that comes Mm -hmm. from conversation and being open. Mm -hmm. And when you're an introvert, sometimes you're already automatically at a disadvantage there. But Mm -hmm. we have to figure out different ways and strategies to survive in those spaces. There is something else I wanted to circle back to. And you mentioned it, and I don't think a lot of conversation happens about this, but in job interviews, Mm. being an introvert Mm -hmm. and having job Mm -hmm. interviews can be exhausting. And when you transitioned from um, being a college admissions rep at Mount St. Mary's, and then you started going on interviews for college counseling positions. I understand mm-hmm. the flow of those days is they're a little bit different. So they can vary. You yeah. know, I do want to preface that. I, when I started going on job interviews, um, now what I had known at the Mount and the Mount is the only place I had worked up to this point yeah. was a half day interview. Right. Mm-hmm. So even my own interview, when I interviewed for that job, it was about maybe three to four hours. And that model continued you know, for the almost 10 years that I was there, we would be bring people in for a full morning or a full afternoon. Um, so when I went on my job interviews for college counseling, and I'm sure it's this way on the university side in some places, it was a full day. I mean, yeah. I got I got at most high schools between 7.30 and 8, and I left most of the high schools around 3. Oh, my gosh. Um, so it's almost like a full work day. And the thing about a full work day is that, you know, you kind of – you go in and out. Like, I know we're always on, but you kind of go in and out, right? Mm. Like, you come out of a meeting, you can have a little bit of a breather. You get off the phone call, you kind of catch your breath a little bit. Most days. I know not every day is like this. But most days we kind of have these, you know, times when we can go in each other's offices or we can go out to lunch or whatever, whatever, take a little bit of a break. And when you're on an interview, you are on straight through. Yeah. <laughs> And when you're in an interview, you are meeting with different groups of people and different constituencies and um, different, you know, individual interviews or group interviews, like back to back to back. I mean, I remember often my schedule was like nine o'clock to 10 o'clock this, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock this, 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock this, one hour for lunch, one o'clock to two o'clock, two o'clock to three o'clock. I mean, it was back to back to back to back to back. Um, And that was draining. I mean, not only because you're on a job interview and you're trying to make a good impression, <laughs> yeah. but you know, there was no time to like catch my breath yeah. <laughs> and recharge. 
And, you know, by the time, even at lunch, like I, I know that's a little more of a casual setting because a lot of the places that I would go to, they would actually take you in the cafeteria and you would sit with some of the faculty and it was just a different way um, of getting to know people and starting to form relationships and trying to see if this was a good place for you and whether, you know, things were vibing or not. Um, so it was a little more casual, but you still, you know, you're in a job interview. Yes. You want to make a good impression. You're trying to put your best foot forward hour after hour after hour. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I think a lot of times when I, you know, if I could again, go back and give myself some words of wisdom here. Um, I think a lot of times people will ask you like, do you need to use the restroom? Do you need to take a break? Do you know, do you need to, do you need to check in for work? Maybe they'll ask you that. Maybe they won't, but you know, you're, you're so wanting to make such a good impression and be like, no, I'm here. I'm with you. Like I'm hundred percent focused on you (laughs) that we just quickly are like, nope, I'm good. What's next? What's next? Right. I'm ready for it. I'm here. Um, and I can't remember who posted it. I remember, I wish I could, but on the Facebook college admissions counselors group, which I know many of us are a part of. And if you're not, I would highly recommend it. Um, there was a good tidbit of advice, um, when it came to job interviews and being an introvert. Um, and I'm so sorry to the person who I can't credit this, but if someone asks you, you know, do you need, do you need to take a break? Like, it's okay to say, yeah, that would be great. That's great advice. Um, or if you're on the other side and you're the one that's actually making the schedule Mm. (laughs) for that person, give them 10 or 15 minutes. You know, I don't know if you can find a small office, if you can give them your office, if you, you know, anywhere that you can kind of be like, Hey, we actually don't have anything planned for you for like 15 minutes purposely. Just here's some space, here's some water, you know, here's a diet Coke, whatever you need (laughs) and purposely give people that time. Don't make them either ask for it or, you know, answer a question, like build it into the schedule. And you don't know who's walking through that, through that door. Like you kind of know because of their resume, maybe a phone interview or first greeting or something like that. But you don't know if that person is extroverted or introverted. And I think even sometimes, you know, extroverts after four or five hours of being on might still want (laughs) some time or maybe an hour after being on. You still, it's almost like you're giving presentation, like, it's exhausting. It is. It is. And, and, and I've seen this uh, really take place quite often over the last year and some change. I was on uh, a committee to find the next chancellor of our campus. Mm-hmm. And I felt mm-hmm. like it was a war of attrition, you know, and mm-hmm. not, not even. And we listen, we mm-hmm. wound up with an unbelievable uh, finalist and who's now our chancellor and just has, has been on the job for like two months. So that's awesome. Yeah, that but, is awesome. But. I, I almost felt like are we are we testing out how physically fit they are? Or are we trying to figure right. out who's going to be the best next leader of our campus, right? right? And so I, I think one of the things that it taught me is the next time I'm on a committee to be that advocate for the the um the candidate. And yeah. make sure that like the the time in the sections that they have to meet with different constituents, that that time is honored because a lot of time when that when that downtime is built in, it's built in as you transition from one room to another or from one group to another. Mm-hmm. But when people go over time in their questions, mm. then that person doesn't have that time. And now they're rushing from one group to another. And it's it's difficult enough to switch your mind frame. Yes. But it's also just difficult to recoup that energy that was now that additional energy that was now taken away by that group that went over time. So yes. I, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's something that was in the back of my mind after those chancellor interviews. And I'm just going to be a better advocate for, for those those um, those folks who have applied, you know, who are candidates for those positions, because it's just not 
uh, a practice that I feel is fair, especially for those who are more introverted in their nature. We also have have a note here to talk about this, and I was interested in in talking about this further because I'm I, I firmly believe in this piece. But you had you had wrote a note as we mm-hmm. were preparing to have this conversation about mm-hmm. the the beauty and the merits of learning to close your door oh, when you're yeah. in the office. So a lot of our conversation <laughs> at this point in time has been yeah. around you know networking at conferences and things of that nature, right and and yes. uh, yeah. and and being present in interviews and being able to to go through that that day in the right way. How do you survive as an introvert in your own office? Yeah, yeah. I think um, closing the doors is something that I've really learned to do. And you know, I think um, it, it's almost like we're we're coming back to something we were talking about before. I think especially when you're new to either the profession or you're new to the office, you always want to look approachable. You want to be available to people. You don't want to look like you're doing something like weird in your office, yeah. right? Or that you're like checked out because your door is closed. You know, I, I have learned that it's okay <laughs> and it's not looked down on. <laughs> and yeah. if it is, that's, that's a bigger problem that you've oh, got yeah. going on there. <laughs> but, you know, even just taking 20 minutes or however long you need. But for me, I've had about 20 minutes to just close my door, you know. And maybe I'm working on something. Maybe maybe I'm kind of, you know, checking out a little bit myself, getting on Facebook, you know, calling a friend or, you know, whatever, whatever, just for a quick conversation yeah. or doing a little bit of texting or, um, you know, just changing my focus into something new. Just that, as you were talking about, that transition time <laughs> going from one task or one group to the other um, or just coming off of something that was very draining, yeah. going into your office and just closing the door for 20 minutes and just kind of regrouping and, you know, having a little, co- it sounds kind of weird, but having a little conversation with yourself, yeah. um, <laughs> to just kind of do a little self check-in, right. And self-reflection yes. of like, what do you need right now? Um, and that just comes, I think with experience and with knowledge as well, you know, this is, these are definitely not things that I would have known. My first year as an admissions counselor, probably not even my fifth year. Yeah. You know, I was just starting to kind of learn these things and become self-aware and self-knowledge, you know, know myself enough to know what those things are that really do re-energize me and get me ready to go and get a pep in my step, so to say. Um, Again, but I have really learned like that 20 minutes. It's not looked down on. It's not being booed. It's not being antisocial. It's not checking out of work. <laughs> yeah. It's just recharging and taking yourself, taking care of yourself when you are working for eight straight hours, sometimes more. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like what we were talking about during the college fair season, you know, yeah. taking that hour in between high school visits and college fairs to just check out for a little while. Maybe you don't have exactly the same amount of time you know, in our, in our office life, yeah. but it's okay to close the door and just kind of recharge for a little while and then come out ready to go and tackle the next thing. So when I first came into admission, I did not have a door. We were in cubicles. Oh, and I so, think that's an introvert's nightmare. Lord, <laughs> it was it was interesting for so oh. many reasons, uh, especially yes, because yes, we yes. we had some characters in our office. There's no doubt about it, and you know there were some benefits to it as well. Like I, I felt like sure. our collaboration as an office was actually pretty good in part yeah. because we had the cubicles and things of that nature. But it was it was not great not only because I myself am an introvert and I need that ability to kind of step away and recharge, but it also yeah. wasn't great for individual student and family meetings. Yeah. So I, the greatest yeah. thing that ever happened to me in my career 
is when our campus decided that the main building on campus needed a facelift. It needed some major renovations. And as mm-hmm. part of those major renovations, the admissions office was getting a complete rehaul. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, this is needed, right? Especially because our welcoming space wasn't great. Mm-hmm. But when I when they brought down the plans, they said, hey, we, we've got the plans. We, we've got the architectural renderings. You guys want to see them? And I said, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll take a look at them. And when I saw that we were all going to have our individual offices, I shed a tear. Um, the angels were singing for I, you, Jeremy Branch. I was, I was moved <laughs> I, with with every you know emotion that I could feel. I felt at one time, and yeah. it's been a, a great saving grace for me because yeah. I, I think I'm one of like two introverts in my office in a in an office of of seven plus people, you know, when you, when you incorporate our financial aid office and things like that, it's Mm -hmm. more, but it's really helped me on days where like, I just came in from two visits. I can't have four people in my face right now asking me for five Mm -hmm. different things. Like, let me close Mm -hmm. my door. Let me Mm -hmm. get my inquiry cards together from my visits. Mm -hmm. Let me answer Mm -hmm. a couple of emails and then I'll be ready. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that I found as we had a new leader come on board who didn't understand my work style or or understand, you know, who I was kind of as an introvert. um, Mm -hmm. One of the helpful things that I, I think I would recommend to everybody is to have those open conversations with your supervisors about that. That's, yeah. that's one of those, those communication things that'll go a long way. And then that removes the, the chances or at least lessens the chances, right? Cause if somebody wants to be offended by something, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be offended by it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we, mm-hmm. we all have those people who look for reasons to be offended, but, <laughs> <laughs> but for those people who aren't to that length, right. They're not that extra. Yeah. So yeah. to speak about it, they'll, it, it really solves a lot of problems. Cause they may wonder like, wait, did I like, did anybody say something to Jeremy today? Like why, why do right. you know why he shut his door once he came in from the visit? Is he okay? Is everything okay with his family? Like when you openly communicate to them, like, no, I just needed to kind of decompress. I had great yeah. visits this morning, but I'm kind of tuckered out and I needed to recharge a little bit. Then that lets your office know why you're doing those things too. But if you're one yeah. of those people who like me in the beginning of your career, you didn't have a, an office. I think this is where the headphones come into play. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think communicating mm-hmm. to your office that, hey, this is just my way of kind of, you know, hunkering down and being in my space for a little bit. That's mm-hmm. that's something that I would recommend. Now, you can't keep them in all day. Right. right? Like at, at some point in time, you, you do need to engage with your colleagues and probably correct. most notably your supervisors and prospective families. Uh, that's that's really important. So we don't we don't want to lose sight of that. But that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. Right. Um, but I, I do think that that's a good a good practice. If you don't have that yeah. that own office, maybe use yeah. the, the AirPods or the earbuds or the headphones for a little bit. Um, yeah. that, that's really yeah. helpful. So we, we touched yeah. on a lot of yeah. different things, Michelle, that I think will be helpful for, for introverts who are entering the profession or trying to figure out whether or not they can do this long term. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience today? Oh gosh. Um, I would say, you know, for people who are considering the field, if anyone's out there, or they're, you know, in their first couple of years and just kind of feeling like, how do I break in? I think that is the the challenge that I hear the most from people who are new to the field, you know, and we talked about this with the workshops and the conferences and going to the college fairs. And, you know, I would say don't be intimidated, which is so easy to say, cause I've been there. Yeah. 
but don't be intimidated, you know, set yourself small goals. I, I, whenever I go to a workshop or a college fair or just, I know I'm going to be in a situation with new people, right? Yeah. I just give myself a number of how many hands I'm going to shake, mm. you know, and sometimes it's three and sometimes it's 10. Um, but I always try to walk away, you know, from whatever opportunities in front of me with shaking some hands. And I don't mean like students and families are great to shake their hands, but I think what we're really talking about is creating your network. Yeah. And you know, I don't like that word network, but yeah. making your connection. Well, hopefully we get to present about that in a couple months at conference. <laughs> right, right. More to come, more to come. But, you know, making connections or just, you know, having conversations with people and it doesn't have to be long. You know, but just going up and introducing yourself and having a little bit of a conversation with somebody um, before you leave. And, you know, if you can walk away as an introvert, knowing that you put your full energy into three new conversations or 10 new conversations, and maybe you don't remember everybody's name, but that's okay. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's just kind of the magic happens and this person knows this person and knows this person and you all get connected. I think we really saw that through our summer Institute friends who've been so close now. Right. But I don't think any of us would have gotten into that room (laughs) without the connections that we had. Right. And knowing Mm. someone else in that room or knowing someone who was going to be in that room. Um, So it's not just the relationships with our students and families, but of course, which of course are number one. Um, but it's just, you know, breaking the barrier a little bit and shaking some hands and saying hello and, and giving yourself patience and hopefully not being frustrated too much. Yeah. You know, if you walk away from a conference, like, man, I really still don't really feel like I, I broke in. Yes. <laughs> I still don't really feel like I walked away with a solid group of people. Um, that really does take time. And we're here to help you. You know, Jeremy and I are always happy to have follow-up conversations about this. Oh, I sure. think we could have a five-hour podcast if oh, you for, want oh, no, Without a doubt. We won't take up that much of your time about this. But um, I think, you know, for those people who are in that zero to three, zero to five-year, um, you know, point in their career, you're kind of new to mid-level, and you're still just really feeling like, I'm struggling here. I don't know how to meet people. I don't know how to make my connections. I don't know how to make my network. I think that's a quick and easy tidbit. You know, try to shake some hands, follow email follow-ups, thank you notes, or, you know, kind of a golden way yeah. <laughs> to make these connections as well, because it doesn't really require a lot of energy. You know, sending an email or a thank you note just goes so far yes. with people and makes such a good impression, but it's not even like that face-to-face draining energy that we have yeah. to put out there. So I think those are good ways to get started. I agree with everything that you mentioned. They That was spot on. I, I think my final word of advice is, you know, introverts realize that you really are needed in the profession. If yes. the profession was full of extroverts, a hundred percent extroverts, it wouldn't be as yes, fruitful. Gosh. It wouldn't be as wonderful. Yes. You know, introverts in, in our offices add a lot, you know, typically the introverts in, in your office are typically the people who observe. They're usually mm. a lot better listeners. Um, mm. And so when you think about trying to figure out how to strategize and recruiting Gen Z, Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what are some of the things that students seem to be concerned about? And it was coming up visit after visit after visit. Mm-hmm. A lot of times your introverts are the people who really grasp onto those things. Um, and they, they bring so much balance to the office, just like extroverts do. You know, one of the things I love about my offices mm-hmm. over the years is that we had that balance. Mm-hmm. We had introverts and extroverts. 
And, you know, it, when those two things come together, it, it balances out quite nicely. So introverts, stay in the profession. Yeah. You are needed. Your contributions are, are needed. Your personality yes. is needed. So we hope you feel a little bit more encouraged about staying in the profession in, in ways that you can navigate the admissions and school counseling professions. Well, Michelle, thank you yes. so much for your time Always today. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to hang out with you, Mr. Branch. Awesome. Means a lot. We'll be in touch. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. Right, see ya. Thank you.